Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company, and Rick White, president of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, discusses the latest developments following Monday's phone call between Canadian and Chinese government officials. The latest farm news and market numbers coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I spoke with Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago, who offered his assessment of how COVID-19 will affect the latest USDA seeding intentions numbers and markets moving forward. Well, we would imagine uh, Mother Nature will be more important, but with the COVID-19, I mean, we are seeing farmers who are switching away from corn to possibly soybeans. Maybe a million acres could go from one to the other. But at this late date, U.S. farmers are somewhat uh, locked in upon their intentions because of revenue insurance, those policies taken out in the middle of March. So there may be some changes around the fringe, but I don't think they'll be big unless, again, we have another very uh, inclement wet spring like we had last year. The odds aren't in that favor, but that's what it would take to kind of jostle around the numbers as we see them today. Once we get this crop into uh, what I would consider to be adequate soil moisture, I think in the market, so kind of like throwing a wet blanket overall, unless, as I said, we have some heat and dryness as we head into summer. All right. And then your general feeling regarding the impact of COVID-19 on, uh, on markets, and, and how do you see that kind of evolving as the situation continues? Well, we are seeing some countries who are stepping up and buying a little more. The Chinese are buying more soybeans. We're seeing a little better wheat trade into places like, uh, uh, let's call it the Mideast and North African countries as they look at increasing their security of food, though as I start to see data now, only Brazil is exporting at a very rapid pace. Other uh, other exporters are starting to slow down. Last week, Brazil exported a record 3.5 million metric tons of soybeans, 130 million bushels. That's an, a big, big number. We now have about 13 million metric tons of soybeans afloat to China. Of course, this morning, the Chinese and Canadians got together in Canola, a welcome sign, but the Chinese have a big, uh, a big opportunity in the U.S. Uh, uh, in terms of buying new crop soybeans, but I don't think, at least for the moment, they're going to back away from buying Brazilian soybeans as those exports are flowing rather normally. As we look long-term, we think that the, the drop in crude oil prices is going to be more important in terms of grain pricing than COVID. We say that because the ethanol and biofuel industries in the United States and across the world are struggling so much as biofuel prices are trading higher than where unleaded gasoline or some of the other petroleum derivatives are. So it's crude oil that really bothers us more than COVID in terms of our long-term outlook of the agriculture market. Okay, interesting. Great. Anything else you want to throw in there, Dan? No, that's really about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very liquid and dynamic market here in Chicago. We, uh, we hope everyone stays safe. We have 4,000 cases of COVID or nearly that in Chicago, kind of a scary place here. Uh, and again, everybody's locked down, and we don't think that'll change. But uh, for those that are affected, our, our hearts and prayers go out to them. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Time now for a look at today's farm news. 2020 spring road restrictions are being eased in Manitoba in order to help in the transportation of essential commodities during the COVID-19 outbreak. Under the revision, a vehicle may transport essential commodities at normal loading on highways that are subject to Level 1 road restrictions, as well as Level 2 restrictions, but under certain conditions. 
Empty vehicles traveling to pick up essential commodities or having just delivered them may travel at any time of the day at level one weights on highways that are subject to level two road restrictions if they comply with certain conditions as well. Essential commodities includes livestock and livestock feed in transit and hay for feed in transit within Manitoba. The USDA released its grain stocks report for March 31st. Dan Bossy, president of ag-resource company in Chicago, says corn came out supportive of trade expectations. Beans are slightly negative and wheat fell right in line. Corn stocks came in about 180 million bushels, round figures, uh, from where traders were expecting 7.953 billion bushels. That's down a little over uh, or somewhere in the vicinity of 660 million bushels from last year. Uh, Soybean uh, stocks 2.253, up slightly, about 18 million bushels from what traders were expecting. Wheat stocks at 1.412 billion bushels, Uh, again, pretty much right in the range down from last year, for uh, you know, but again, not a big surprise. And Dot Technology, the autonomous platform company, has been sold to Raven Industries. Dot's inventor, Norbert Bojo, says it all started as Seedmaster looked at the idea of doing an autonomous seeder. The idea and design took off, and they began manufacturing. And today, there will be about 10 units out this spring across western Canada. He notes it was a tough decision to sell. We got it to the stage, uh, proof of concept stage and and testing stage that we know it'll work. It'll uh, do a lot for farmers. And uh, uh, really, uh, it takes a a larger company to, to take it forward from here on. Raven Industries says it will continue to manufacture DOT in Saskatchewan with Seedmaster. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Wednesday, April 1st. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler's conversation with Rick White, president of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, discussing the latest developments following Monday's phone call between Canadian and Chinese government officials. The Canola Council of Canada says Canadian and Chinese government officials had a call Monday to discuss the trading conditions for canola seed. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler caught up to Rick White, president of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, to talk about the latest developments and what it could mean for producers. What have you learned from that call? My understanding is that uh, the Chinese uh, government um, basically communicated to our Canadian government what the terms of trade were going to be um, starting tomorrow, April 1, because as of today, uh, March 31st, the memorandum of understanding that was in place expires today, and so China um, um, communicated with the Canadian government about what the, 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 uh, the, the, the conditions of trade would be for canola in the future. And really, uh, it is uh, basically they expressed it as a temporary measure that canola um, would continue to go into China at less than 1% dockage 
Um, they talked about the two companies that are not uh, able to export will are, are continue continuing to be suspended. Um, um, so basically, it's uh, moving forward without an MOU, um, almost at the terms and conditions that were in place under the MOU, but with a lot less certainty now, because this is a temporary measure in their view, and uh, there's no time frame on it. So right now, um, you know, I think the risk has probably gone up and that risk will be borne by Canadian farmers at the end of the day because the small amount of business that is going in there um, all of a sudden has a little more risk to it because there's no MOU and there's no time frame on what they call temporary measures going forward. So what is this actually going to mean for us? We, we know that there has been some canola that has moved to China. Not, of course, in the volume that we had seen. Right now, uh, it has been about 30% um, of what our typical uh, movement into China would have been prior to the the closure or substantial closure of that market. So we had continued as a country to ship about 30% of what we normally would have. Um, and uh, that's significant. So the other 70% that we would have shipped uh, would normally have come from the two companies that have been suspended from that market. And, um, you know, so going forward, the question is, is that uh, continuing 30% um, now is uh, more risky. Um, And I feel and we feel that this is a step backwards. Um, It's not status quo. I think it's even worse than status quo because, again, temporary measure means uh, China feels that they can um, do what they want, basically, and they systematically rejected all our science and studies regarding uh, dockage levels. So that is uh, quite uh, significant, uh, a significant step backward to have them vocally uh, express that they don't believe in the science we that Canada has provided. So, so yeah, it's uh, it, it is a bit of a step backwards, and we're into a little more risky environment, even on the thirty percent uh, of trade that was going in there. That being said, where do we go from here? What can we do? Well, we uh, we we still believe as a country. Um, this would be more for the government to talk about, but uh, you know there was. Uh, the start of a WTO process, but that is very long and cumbersome and it's going to take uh, quite some time. Um, You know, these uh, trade agreements that we have are based on science for the most part. You can't just block trade based on non-scientific criteria. And so we do think that there's a case to be had at WTO and there's already been a uh, consultation between Canada and China and uh, I think Canada is now weighing its options about whether what what the next step in that process uh, would be and when when to do it, uh, while continuing to work with China the best we can to keep the existing trade going. That's Rick White, president of the Canadian Canola Growers Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. That's it for the Prairie Ag Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Bossler, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return Thursday on the Golden West Farm Network.
And now for a look at your farm calendar. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair, scheduled to happen this week at the Keystone Centre in Brandon, has been cancelled. The Manitoba Sustainable Energy Association annual conference, scheduled for April 8th in Morden, has been postponed. And the CAP Advisory Council meeting, planned for April 9th in Portage La Prairie, has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, Megan Burns is an on-farm network agronomist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. She spoke with farm broadcaster Corey Canute about the on-farm network and farmers participating in research trials. Essentially, it's a network of field-scale pulse and soybean research um, that's both fully funded and fully directed by pulse and soybean farmers in Manitoba. So through the on-farm network, we're conducting research trials in soybean, peas, dry beans, and we're hoping to have more faba bean trials this year as well. Um, essentially, what we're looking to do is to test products and management practices for pulse and soybean production in such a way that empowers farmers to conduct straightforward and reliable research on their farms. So it really is a by farmers, for farmers type of program. Now, are you, uh, I guess, looking for farmers to, to sign up again here this year? We are, absolutely, yeah. So we've started filling up um, our trial participant uh, list, but we're definitely still looking for more uh, more growers who are interested. And uh, what is the biggest benefit for farmers to take part in this? I think there's a couple of benefits to note. I think first and foremost, um, we're looking at testing these products or these management practices on individual farms. So we're testing these things on your own farm, under your own specific set of growing conditions, in your own fields with your own equipment. So we really try and make sure that our trials are as simple and sort of logistically feasible as possible while still maintaining the scientific rigor we need to be able to statistically evaluate the outcome. So I think first and foremost, there's that individual farm level of investigation that our growers find extremely valuable. Um, But I think the other thing to note is that as we continue to conduct these trials um, over different years and across different farms, we start to build up our data sets and be able to look at sort of patterns and probabilities of response across time and across space. So there's sort of a bigger benefit that comes out of this as well um, as these on-farm network trials continue to be conducted um, across years. Now, farmers who uh, do take part in this, uh, what are some things that um, you ask of them? Sure. So the the most important thing, um, in order for growers to participate, they have to be a member in good standing with MPSG. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, And then beyond that, uh, we ask that growers set up and and harvest the trials using their own equipment. So at uh, trial setup, whether that's seeding time or it could be fungicide timing, depending on the type of trial, um, we ask that they do that with their own equipment. But we will be there to provide support uh, with a provided plot layout and protocol uh, to make it as as simple um, and seamless as possible. Um, We also ask that they manage the trial area the same as the rest of their field um, in terms of things like weed management. Um, And then obviously we ask that they also harvest the trial using their own equipment. Uh, But we'll be there again to um, help collect the yield data uh, using either one of our provided weigh wagons to weigh off the, the trial strips. Um, or growers can use uh, their own grain cart if it has an appropriate scale on it. And what are some of the other responsibilities of um, your organization? So in addition to providing support at trial setup and harvest, uh, we're also responsible for collecting any of the in-season measurements and data that we want. So um, that will totally depend on what trial type growers are hosting, Um, but it'll be things like plant counts or nodulation ratings, uh, could be disease ratings, just depending on on the trial type. So MPSG is responsible for all of that uh, data collection. 
And then obviously, most importantly, you were responsible for putting all the, the information together for each trial and interpreting the results and then communicating that back to the grower. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at your farm news for today. 2020 spring road restrictions are being eased in Manitoba in order to help in the transportation of essential commodities during the COVID-19 outbreak. Under the revision, a vehicle may transport essential commodities at normal loading on highways that are subject to level one road restrictions, as well as level two restrictions, but under certain conditions. Empty vehicles traveling to pick up essential commodities or having just delivered them may travel at any time of the day at level one weights on highways that are subject to level two road restrictions if they comply with certain conditions. Essential commodities includes livestock and livestock feed in transit and hay for feed in transit within Manitoba. The USDA issued its latest prospective plantings report for March 31st. Here's Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. The USDA indicated a U.S. corn seedings estimates of 97 million acres. That was at the high end, in other words, above the high end of any trade estimate and the largest U.S. corn seedings estimate going back to 2012. Uh, such a seedings estimate would be up about 7 million acres from last year. How, if you had more corn being planted, of course, you're going to have less things like soybeans. Soybean seeding, 83.51. That was down about a million and a half from expectations, though up again about uh, 7.5 million acres from last year. All wheat right in line, not a lot different, down about 1% from last year at 44.7 million acres. Though Durham wheat was the big decline in the United States, falling 14.3% to just 1.29 million acres. And Raven Industries has bought Dot Technology, the manufacturer of the Dot Autonomous Platform. Wade Roby, executive director of Raven Autonomy and general manager of Dot, says they expect to see interest in the unit continue to grow. This year we hope to sell uh, somewhere, somewhere around 25 units, uh, with them principally going to Western Canada across a, a range of different um, applications this year. So uh, currently we have a, a seeder, a spreader, and a sprayer that are approved implements for DOT, and we're working on a, a couple of other implements uh, that we'd like to have ready to go by the end of the year. He thinks with automation we'll see a tremendous opportunity to optimize production, improve the efficiency of farming, and reduce the cost of farming. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. On behalf of producer Tim Friesen, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.